to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. See, the key to spiritual health and victory and progress is not I have to try harder. I have to be more rigid and strict about these laws and so forth. No, the key is recognizing that all of that has been dealt with and now just letting Christ live his life through me. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, in a message titled, Crucified with Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Galatians is divided up between uh, these first two chapters, which again, Paul is rehearsing some events that happened, and uh, in doing that, he's uh, really contending for the gospel that he preaches, he's contending for his own apostleship, and then when we get to the next two chapters, he's really, really going deeply into the, the doctrine of justification by faith, and then the final two chapters of Galatians, he's kind of bringing the practical application of that. So so we pick up today, and let me remind you, Paul is speaking to Peter, and he's reminding Peter, the apostle Peter, of certain truths that Peter knew, but because he had become intimidated, he just sort of wasn't faithful to what he knew to be the case. And so Paul is reminding him that the gospel it puts everyone on a level playing field. And so the truth of the gospel is that all men, whether Jew or Gentile, are equally dead in their sins and all will be equally justified through faith in Christ. Now, the core of Galatians is an exposition of justification by faith in Christ And as I said, Paul is going to come to that when he gets to the third chapter. And we will go there and go into a deep exposition. But I want to just give you a little sort of a preview of where we will be focusing a lot of our attention as we resume our study in Galatians. And it it has to do with this this teaching, this doctrine of justification by faith. And I want to quote to you from John Stott. John Stott was a British evangelical leader who, uh, a great sort of a Christian statesman. But what he says here is you you could find many, many of the great Bible expositors and preachers over the ages would, would say exactly the same thing. So he's kind of representative of that evangelical voice out there. He said, no one has understood Christianity who has not understood the doctrine of justification by faith. So what he's talking about here is how this is really central to the gospel. And as he goes on, he says, if the doctrine of justification is central to the Christian life, it is vital that we understand it. And, and this is true. So then he says, what does it mean? Justification is a legal term borrowed from the law courts 
It is the exact opposite of condemnation. To condemn is to declare somebody guilty. To justify is to declare one not guilty, innocent, or righteous. In the Bible, justification or to justify refers to God's act of unmerited favor by which he puts a sinner right with himself, not only pardoning or acquitting their sin, but accepting them and treating them as righteous. Now, as I said, Paul is going to, he's going to fully dive into this as we come to the third chapter. But the reason I'm bringing it up here is because in verse 16, he reminds Peter of this great truth that Peter knew but had compromised with because of his own fear of rejection by the the leadership in Jerusalem. So we'll come back and and we'll really dig deep into that theme. But today I want to walk us through verses 15 through 21, and then we're going to come back and we're going to concentrate uh, most of our time on verse 20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. So let me pick up in verse 15, and there Paul says for Again, speaking to Peter, he says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, even we, Jews, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So Paul is, remember, he's talking to Peter publicly here in Antioch, and he's telling them these things. Now, the interesting thing, if you think about this, Peter would have heard this exact message from Jesus himself. So Peter was there when somebody asked Jesus, what can we do to do the work of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. Now, for Peter at the time and the other apostles, when Jesus said that, that was that was pretty, pretty revolutionary. They, they didn't, at that point, they didn't understand the function of the law, that the law was never going to save anybody. They didn't understand that. But Jesus came bringing that message, and that message became clearer and clearer with the descent of the Spirit and the apostles going out and preaching. And so Paul is, is re- reminding Peter of things that he already knew, things that he would have heard from Jesus himself. But then he says in verse uh, 17, he says, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, speaking as a Jew, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. Now, see, this is some of the slander that was coming against Paul. Because for a Jew, as, as he said, the Jew, in the Jewish mind, the Jews were, were not sinners. The Gentiles were sinners. But the reality was, of course, the Jews were sinners too. They just didn't realize it or want to admit it. But in order to be saved by Christ, they had to admit that they were sinners. And so some people were twisting what Paul was saying and saying, oh, Paul, Paul wants to make you a greater sinner in order that you can be saved. And Paul says, certainly not. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. The fact of the matter is we are great sinners, What happens when we come to Jesus is we realize it, even if we hadn't realized it before. And then he says, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Paul is saying, if I was going around preaching that in order to love Jesus, you'd have to become a greater sinner, he said that I would be making myself a transgressor. Paul is denying that charge, that he was teaching people 
because where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so then let's just sin all the more so we can get all more uh, we can get more grace. Now, these kinds of things that he touches on right here, he elaborates on these things in Romans chapters six and seven. So if you want to spend some time this week and get a little deeper into the things that Paul is saying here, if you read Romans six and seven, you'll get kind of the, the deeper explanation of, of certain things that he's just touching on here. But he says in verse 19, he says, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. You see, the whole problem with the Jew was they, they could not in their, get in their heads that their relationship with God was not gonna be based upon the law. They kept trying to interject the law into the picture somehow. They had such a warped view of the law that they, they wanted to make it part of the salvation package, but Paul is just saying, no, it has, it has no part. And he explains that, no, it's actually through the law that I died to the law so I could live to God. No, the law doesn't help me. It only condemns me. But in condemning me, if I understand the proper work of the law, it shows me that I can't save myself and it pushes me to the Savior and so it kills me in one sense, but then it, it, it brings me to life through faith in Christ. And so then he goes on and he says this in verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is explaining to them, no, this is how the Christian life is lived. It's not lived by going back under the law. It's lived by Christ living in me. And then he says this in verse 21, I do not set aside or make void or frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So you see what, what Paul is saying here is it's, it's, it's either or. You, can, you can't have it both ways. You can, and again, in Romans, he elaborates on this. You can't mix grace and law. You're either saved by law or you're saved by grace. And of course, his whole point is you can't be saved by law. So the law doesn't save you. The law is not a factor in what God has done through Christ. Christ saves us apart from the law. And, and so that's what he's going to elaborate on more, more fully, as I said, when, when we move into the future. But, but in verse 20, that's where I want to concentrate. Here in verse 20, he tells us basically the function of the law, and he tells us how to live the Christian life. So the function of the law is to show us our sin and to point us to the Savior and also the law shows us our guilt that brings about our death. And so he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Why was Christ crucified? Christ was crucified for sin. Whose sin? It wasn't his sin. Jesus never sinned. He was crucified for our sins. And so when Jesus died on the cross, effectively, we were being nailed to the cross with him. We were, we were dying for our sins, but we didn't have to die ourselves. Christ died for us. So we have been crucified with him and 
having died to our sin life, we now live a new life and we live that new life through him. Now, a couple things I want you to think about. First of all, I want you to notice that Paul uses the past tense here, that I have been crucified with Christ, past tense. And this is important to realize because we have to understand that this is not a prescription for some deeper spiritual life that we are to strive to attain to be truly holy. It's, it's not a prescription for that. It's rather a description of something that has happened to every single person who has put their trust in Christ. Now, I am saying this for a specific reason, and here's the reason. In the church, and there's a certain way of thinking among some Christians, and, and they, they think and they talk and they write books about uh, what they call the crucified life. And they, they do that based upon not just this passage, but primarily this passage right here. And the crucified life is, ironically, the crucified life, if you really analyze it and see what they're saying, it's a life where you work harder at you know, dying to yourself so you can be more spiritual and more holy. But the problem is that's not what Paul is talking about here. So for those who think that way or those who have written books on that subject, they're actually interpreting the passage in the exact opposite way of Paul, and, uh, Paul intended it to be understood. Because Paul is not saying the crucified life is something that you have to keep working at, that you ultimately finally crucify yourself. Paul is saying, I have already been crucified, which means I have already died. You see, that's the truth. We, when we come to Christ, we, we have died. We enter into his death. The death that he died, literally, we die spiritually. So the old life is dead. We've died to the old life. And there's no need for the law to come along and try, you know, to, to reform. Of course, what do we know about the law in relation to people? Well, the law only applies to living people. Once you're dead, the law no longer has any authority over a person. And that's what Paul is saying. I, I'm crucified with Christ. So remember, the Galatians are wanting to go back under the law. Paul says, no, you're, you're dead to that already. The law has no application to you. You, you died. That's not the way to live this new life. And for those that mistakenly think that there is this deeper spiritual life through this, you know, I'm living the crucified life, Paul would say, no, you're, you're incorrect. What we need to do is, like he said in Romans 6, we need to consider ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through faith in Christ. And as he goes on to say, then it's, it's Christ living in me. That's the key to everything. You see, the key to spiritual health and victory and progress is not I have to try harder. I have to be more rigid and strict about these laws and so forth. No, the key is recognizing that all of that has been dealt with. And now I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now just letting Christ live his life through me. It really 
simplifies it. So if we keep the context in mind, like I said, we understand that what Paul is saying here really, and and it applies to the Galatian problem, is that the law is absolutely powerless to save us, and it makes really no contribution at all to our salvation. Not only can it not save us, it, it just it doesn't even play any role except to show us we need a savior. That's the whole purpose of the law. Show us we need a savior. Later in Galatians, Paul will say that. It's our, it's our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Once it leads us to Christ, the law's work is done. So the Galatians had already come to Christ. They were in a relationship with Jesus. And now, through the influence of these false teachers, they're wanting to go back under the law. Paul's saying, what are you doing? And actually, he says to them, as we'll read as we go into the next chapters, at a certain point, he says, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell on you? Who, who has convinced you of this ridiculous idea that you have to go under the law? You're already at the ultimate place. You're in a relationship with God. You're already in that place where, where you're, you're connected to him. This, this is the you know, this is where God intended it all to go. Why would you latch on to this other thing that could never take you there in the first place? And actually for them, it was taking them back rather than moving them forward. So I have been crucified with Christ. For us, we need to understand that we died with Christ. When Christ died on the cross, we died. And now here's what we do. We consider that to be true. Romans 6 says that we reckon the old man to be dead. And the word reckon means to consider it or to account it to be the case. So when I am tempted, when sin comes my way, I just look at it and say, I'm crucified with Christ already. I'm dead. And those things have no place in, uh, obviously, in the life of a dead man. So there's the recognition that this is a, a done deal. It's already happened. Crucified with Christ, past tense. But then Paul says, and Christ lives in me. You see, this is the Christian life. The Christian life is Christ living in me. And now listen closely. That's the Christian life, Christ living in me. Anything that claims to be Christianity that doesn't have as its central component Christ himself living in you, that's not Christianity. Why do I say that? I say that because there are millions of people in churches all across the country and actually all around the world who are in churches and who have, you know, some kind of belief or understanding, uh, you know, that Christ is the Savior and so forth, but they don't have Christ living in them. They've never been told that that's what Christianity is. Christianity is, is Christ living in you. They still think that, that Christianity is, well, I, I go to church faithfully, or I tithe faithfully, or I do my best to, to keep the, these commandments. I mean, I've even had people tell me in, you know, maybe asking somebody the question, well, what, what is Christianity? And they, they say things like this, well, Christianity is just doing your best to keep the Ten Commandments. The, a lot of people think like that. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is nothing less than the life of God in the soul of man. That's what it is. 
You see, that's why I've been saying week after week, this is, this is something that's so radical. It's so revolutionary. And some of you have had this experience, and I had this experience. You know, I went to church. I, I sat in church week after week. I came to a point in my life after all my crazy wild stuff that I did, realizing that, you know, not only is this a dead-end street, but realizing that I'm a sinner and I need some help because nobody really had to come and tell me I was going to hell. I already knew that. But I didn't want to go to hell. And so I was hoping there was some way out of it. So I went to church. And I thought that that was it. And so I went to church and then I got involved in church. And then I was doing the things that my church leaders were telling me to do, but I, I never had any relief. I never had any deliverance. I never had any real change or transformation in my life. I just went from a non-religious sinner to being a religious sinner. But then, boom, there came that moment, that instant, where God made it clear to me that he wanted to come and live in me. I had to be born again. And once that became clear to me, everything made sense at that moment. That's it. And so I went from being a religious person in a sense to having this radical revolutionary thing happen where my life just changed. Prior to that, I was religious on Sunday because that was the church day. But I struggled all through the week with the parties and, you know, I'll go, keep going back into that stuff. And I, I could never make my way out of it. But you see, this is what Christianity is. It's God coming and living in us. Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 27, he said, it, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. And that's what Paul is saying here. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's not about me living up to the law. No, what's happened is I'm dead to all of that. And now Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So this is the Christian life. The life that I now live in the flesh, that's where we live. Of course, we come to Jesus and we're still here. We're still in our natural bodies. We've been born again. We have a new nature, but we still have that old nature that there's a conflict there. Paul will address that later in the epistle. But how do we live now? He says, we live by faith in the Son of God. That's how we live. The, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now, again, I just want to keep reminding you of the context. The Galatians knew this. They accepted it. They understood it. They rejoiced in it. It was wonderful. The false teachers come along and said, oh, no, no, that's not right. That's not good. Here, you got to do this. You need these laws. There's Moses, and there's all of these different uh, rituals and things, and, you know, there's circumcision and all this, and you've got to have this. And, and the Galatians foolishly bought into it. Paul says, no, this is how you live the Christian life. I, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So what does that look like? Three things. Number one, I live by faith in what Christ has done. See, that's what we do. We live by faith in what Christ has done. What did Christ do? Well, number one, Christ lived the perfect life, which I have not done. He lived the perfect life. He died because I didn't live the perfect life. So he died for me. And he rose from the dead. And he sent his spirit 
who now has made me spiritually alive so I can live the way he wants me to live. For the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Sickness, disease, broken homes, poverty, people young and old all around the world are experiencing distress. Have you ever wondered how a loving God could allow so much suffering in the lives of people he claims to love? Well, in her book, Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin tackles this question and 11 others about Christianity. If you've ever wrestled with questions about Christianity or want to be prepared for those who are, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.